go back again for another episode of the Around the Show Sports Podcast. As always, this is your host, Kyle Showalter. And folks, we made it through the COVID NFL season. As insane as that sounds, it really is over. From the beginning of the season, it was always in doubt, but we got through Super Bowl 55 really without a hiccup. Not a single canceled game. No players got too sick. It's quite frankly a miracle. And Super Bowl 55 was the culmination of the 2020 NFL season. And we saw Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers take home the Super Bowl 55 championship over the Kansas City Chiefs by the score of 31-9. to And I thought this would be a great time to bring on my good buddy and Kansas City Chiefs fan, Casey Proctor, his first time on the show. Welcome in, Case. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's always exciting when you get to bring on a guest onto something like this. I always have the most fun recording when I'm able to bring someone on. But I don't do it lightly. I always make sure that I bring on someone that I know is going to be able to take the conversation into a a really nice level. And I feel like Casey does that. And this is actually the first in a four-part series that we're going to be doing on the Around the Show Sports Podcast, where I'm going to be for the next four weeks bringing on a guest. And I'm really excited. So this is part one of that four-part series. And today we're just going to dive into Super Bowl 55 and really the kind of a letdown game that it was in an entertainment sense, but really... It's, it wasn't all that surprising, Casey, based on the storylines leading up to the game with the Kansas City offensive line, what we knew about the Buccaneers' defense. I mean, we knew Mahomes was going to be himself, but this was the first time we really saw him held in check. Yeah, I mean, you know, how's the saying go? They are who we thought they were. Um, I, I mean, the Bucks up front is a, a mean group of guys in the trenches, and They've been just progressively been getting better all year, week by week, seemingly last night, snap by snap. Um, the scheme that Todd Bowles put together was not only incredibly effective to what the Chiefs present as an offensive threat, but really perfectly executed for a full 60 minutes of football. So, I mean, Mahomes, obviously dealing with the O-line, um, that was a, a huge obstacle to overcome that was never overcome. Um, and, and I believe that his numbers last night, he went 26 of 49. That's a 53% completion rating. The worst that he's had since facing Brady in the 2018 AFC championship game. So, you know, as a, just as a fan, I don't, I don't have a huge, fear stock in this right now i'm not i'm not nervous that we've we've been exposed or that the answer is now black and white for the league to take advantage of but last night was a perfectly executed game plan and a phenomenal management of momentum on the field yeah and one of the things that really struck me is after the after the game i saw a stat tweeted out by espn's field yates where he said this is the first time in Patrick Mahomes' NFL and college career that an offense led by him did not score a touchdown in a game. And really, I think it's safe to assume that you can go back to his high school days and say that a game Patrick Mahomes started, his offense probably scored a touchdown. So this might have been the first game ever that a team trotted Patrick Mahomes out at quarterback and didn't score a touchdown. It, it's remarkable. And uh, I know that you and I had a conversation after my show last week where um we talked about the key matchups in this game. You talked about how Travis Kelsey was going to be a big X factor, and you were obviously right. He led all all uh, pass catchers in receiving yards last night. But I want to highlight um, two of the things that I brought up last week, and I'm not quite sure we talked about them, but obviously the, the top two 
matchups that I mentioned were going to be the Kansas City rush defense against this Tampa Bay rushing attack. That obviously proved huge in this game. Tampa Bay averaged almost six yards a carry. And then the big story of the game was obviously the pressure that Tampa Bay's front seven was able to get on Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he was running for his life the entire night. You mentioned he had the 49 pass attempts. He was pressured on 28 of his 49 dropbacks last night. That's an over 50% rate. That's just not going to be good enough for anyone. I don't think any quarterback is going to be able to overcome that, even one as special as Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, well, it's hard It's hard to get comfortable. And, you know, the there's this is, this is an onion that... that what, what he went through last night, and you can just peel it back bit by bit. I mean, like you said, 28 pressures. He ru- he, he scrambled, eluding pressure, 497 total yards last night. Absolutely crazy. Absolutely exhausting. The guy's going to get surgery on a turf toe first thing in this offseason. I mean, it, was, it truly was. It was insurmountable, and I mean – as a again, as a fan, and not just a fan of a team, but a fan of the business that is the NFL, I'm really excited to dive heavier into this upcoming draft and what offensive line prospects are going to be available at 31. Because Eric Fisher, eighth year in the league guy, torn Achilles, not saying it's impossible for him to come back. But if he does come back, who knows what that looks like? I mean, you talk talk about skill players on on football teams or basketball players that sustain that injury, and we're talking about very, you know, not that offensive linemen aren't athletic, but very quick twitch, you know, fast paced athletes going through that injury, and struggling to re-identify themselves when they come back. So I just don't have a huge faith that Eric Fisher is going to be a part of the Chiefs moving forward and unfortunately maybe even the NFL moving forward. And then on the other side, Mitch Schwartz went down week six to the back injury and I don't believe that's going to be overcome either. So, you know, it's, it's obvious to me that that will be the move for this draft um, because Patrick Mahomes can't be Patrick Mahomes if what we saw last night out of a Chiefs offensive line is the Chiefs offensive line. Yeah, and that that's 100% correct. You mentioned how he scrambled behind the line of scrimmage for 497 yards last night. It, that show, goes to show the remarkable skill set that Mahomes has, not, not only with his arm, which we all know about, but he's so good at avoiding pressure and getting out of sacks and getting out of the pocket and finding guys downfield. But ideally, you want Patrick Mahomes in the pocket going through his reads. That's where he's going to be his best. Yeah, he's special outside of the pocket, but he's not Lamar Jackson. He's not a guy who's going to run for 100 yards a game. You want him in the pocket dissecting defenses and picking him apart. And you do bring up a really interesting point about what the Chiefs need to do in the draft. I think you're right. They do need to go offensive line. You have... Mitchell Schwartz on the left side with a back injury that's always going to be tough to come back from. The Achilles that you see from Fisher on the right, at the right tackle position, that's obviously never a given either. We saw Brandon Brooks, the Eagles right guard, come back very strong from a torn Achilles, but he just tore his second or had a second Achilles tear in his other foot. And there's another question mark. Yeah, he came back from it once, but can he come back from it twice? It's such a difficult injury to both repair and rehab through. And then you have the left guard, and I'm going to butcher his name. 
I'm not even going to try to say it. You know who I'm talking about, the doctor. Who knows if they even get him back next year. They're starting left guard, who is a Pro Bowl-level talent. I think it's Laurent Duvernay-something. Tardif. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Who knows if the COVID situation is under wraps and he feels comfortable coming back next year. So there's there could be question marks going forward for this Chiefs offensive line long term. And but what before that Mahomes contract extension kicks in, this Chiefs team is going to need to shore up some holes. And if the offensive line is going to be as porous as it was going forward, we're going to see a lot more games like this where Mahomes is just running for his life. And I, I tweeted something out last night during the game. And I texted it to my friends. I said it to my dad. Like, that looked like an Andrew Luck game last night. Like a guy back there battling, doing everything he can as a quarterback, and he's just getting abused. And what happened to Andrew Luck? He fizzled out of the league because of injuries. If the Chiefs can't get this right and they fumble away a generational quarterback, that's beyond forgiveness as an organization. You know, the Colts destroyed Andrew Luck's career. We don't want to see that for Mahomes. And this isn't me predicting that that's going to happen. But we don't want to see history repeat itself in this situation. We've seen it before. Um, Switching over to the Buccaneers, man. Brady leading his team to a seventh championship. What are some general thoughts on that? I I think... I think he's the best to ever do it. I, I know... I mean, I know that we, we want to touch on how what this game really means for, for each guy. And I, I, I think the huge take-home for me, um, as, as kind of a spin zone off of, off of the question, I think that what last night meant for not only how great Tom Brady is, legacy is cemented. Like, when, when you say... You could you could use like the the psychiatric practice the like word association and you could say Tom Brady's legacy. The word that comes to mind is cemented. It's it's done. It's set in stone. And I my my spinoff is that Patrick Mahomes for the rest of his career, after bearing witness to last night, the game that locked everything, any any unanswered questions or wavering thoughts that anybody had that Tom Brady was washed or that Tom Brady didn't have it anymore or there's no way he can leave Belichick and do it, that is going to be burned into Patrick Mahomes and he's going to spend the rest of his career chasing the ghost of Tom Brady. Unless they replay this Super Bowl for 56 that was probably the last time that they ever play each other, and the taste that that left in his mouth, I, in Mahomes' mouth, I think is what is to be said about Tom Brady's career and what seven freaking championships means. I mean, it's borderline untouchable. It's to, to imagine somebody else touching that or reaching that level of enshrinement. I mean, the guy's going to have a He's going to have a statue in Boston and a statue in Tampa Bay when this is all over. So, I mean, all time, dude. It was it was incredible. It was incredible to watch. Yeah, and what, what strikes me about Tom Brady in the game last night, it wasn't anything he did with his arm. It wasn't any aspect of his on-field play, what he did with the X's and O's. It's just how confident and controlled the entire Buccaneers team looked the entire game. And 
I think that's a testament to what Tom Brady brought to that franchise this offseason. You know, this was a good football team last year. They went 9-7 and seven with a quarterback who threw 30 interceptions. Granted, he threw for 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns too, but 30 interceptions and then another dozen fumbles from your starting quarterback is going to derail any team. So it's not like he came to a team full of scrubs and just signed up and they went to the Super Bowl. This was a solid football team, but you could just tell. like The switch was flipped. We can talk all day about just what happened with Antonio Brown on that football team. Antonio Brown couldn't stay out of the headlines the entirety of last season. He comes to Tampa Bay where he's a teammates with Tom Brady. We don't hear a thing about him. He was just another guy. It, it's it's really incredible. Like the We talk a lot about culture in the NFL more so than the other sports. Like Tom Brady is the ultimate culture piece, and I think that's a part of what cements his legacy. You say the seven championships. It's also the fact that he's the ultimate chess piece in NFL history that I think cements him as the greatest quarterback of all time as well. And to, and to come out and throw three touchdown passes, two to Rob Gronkowski and one to Antonio Brown. I mean, it, it was, if, if in a different universe, you were going to tell me that Tom Brady is winning the Super Bowl by throwing three touchdowns split between Gronkowski and Antonio Brown, I'm probably going to say that in that universe, the year is like 2013. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, it's not. It's 2021, and this old band is here. And, I mean, I'm, I'm super interested to see how this Bucks team shakes up next year. I think Chris Godwin's in a contract year. Um, Brady is obviously going to play his second year of this contract. I think that was a given win or lose, but it's going to be, you know, this was not to, not to bring up any, any sad memories for you, but I, the way that the Phillies just, or the, the Eagles just peaked much like the Phillies yeah. did too, but the Eagles sort of top <laughs> and then disappear. I'm, I don't know what the Bucks after Tom Brady are, you know, it's, it's like you talk about baseball teams, or, or even let's use the Rams. You use it, that's your window, right? Mm-hmm. You sell out to win in this window, and this two-year window of Tom Brady's Buccaneers is really fun to watch. It'll be interesting to see what happens when that ends. Did the Bucks go back to being who who the Bucks are when Jameis is the quarterback, throwing thirty picks and dropping twelve footballs? Like, or or is this suddenly does Tom Brady? everything he touches turns to gold is, is there all of a sudden there is a culture in Tampa Bay that is a, of, of a winning essence. And is this a huge, these two years, do they change the course of an organization's destiny? It'll be interesting to see. hundred percent. And real quick, before we pivot back to Mahomes and talk about what he did in last night's game, a little more in depth, I just want to highlight how amazing of a job this Buccaneers coaching staff did not only last night, but all season. Todd Bowles deserves head coaching consideration. Byron Leftwich deserves head coaching consideration. Bruce Arians uh, should be commended for his efforts to bring diversity to his coaching staff and hire minorities and try to get them uh, more exposure in the coaching ranks. And also women on his coaching staff. He has two full-time women coaches. Um, so just a fantastic job in that department by Bruce Arians. And also just a fantastic job by the entire coaching staff last night. That was from the opening kickoff to the final seconds ticking off the clock, a complete and utter domination by the Buccaneers over the Chiefs, who 
who were pretty universally picked to be the Super Bowl champions. So uh, we always want to highlight, you know, when Tom Brady's doing something great, but obviously that coaching staff played a large part as well. But pivoting back to Patrick Mahomes, I think it's honestly pretty clear cut and fair to say, and I might be, I might get some flack for this, but honestly, I think Patrick Mahomes outplayed Tom Brady last night, despite what the numbers show. You know, I know the three interceptions and the 53% completion percentage, but if you look at what Patrick Mahomes was dealing with running for his life, 500 yards behind the line of scrimmage, running around, um, throwing the ball parallel with the ground and hitting his receivers in the face mask and they just dropped the ball versus Brady sitting in a clean pocket and delivering balls to wide open guys off pick plays or Leonard Fournette running open in the flat or Rob Gronkowski finding his way open in the end zone. I mean, it was just, they were playing different sports last night, it almost seemed like. And I don't think it's unfair to say that Mahomes outplayed Brady. What do you think? I, I think that last night, um, I think that last night Patrick Mahomes' performance that he put out is one of the gutsiest showings that I've seen and, and, and can like register in my memory of, of watching NFL football. Because you, when you were talking about, um, you know, if, if the Chiefs don't shore up this offensive line, then the longevity just won't, it simply won't be there for Patrick Mahomes. Last night was a, it really pinpointed the, the narrative that Patrick Mahomes as an improv quarterback is, him at his best, and when 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 everything hits the fan, he's he figures out a way. And dude, the passes that he was throwing last night—I mean, in the two in the fourth quarter, the one to the to the back left pylon to Byron Pringle. Oh, as he was, was falling out of bounds, dude. After <laughs> after scrambling for ten seconds, turns around three times, jukes three guys out, falling to his left out of bounds hits the pylon with the football, and then obviously the one that he drills Darrell Williams in the face mask as he's falling to the ground doing a lazy boy Ben Stiller in, in dodgeball impersonation. So, I mean, it was it was insane, man. I, to say that he outplayed Brady, like, yeah, if you look at it on paper, of course not. Brady was, what was his completions, like 21 of 26 or – Maybe he threw it 29 times, but he was on the money. Three touchdowns, no picks. You know, that's the paper line does not justify the effort that was on the field. But, you know, that's not that's not what wins championships or sparks up, um, you know, mainstream media narrative about who Patrick Mahomes is. You know, guys coming off of a crazy two weeks whirlwind of concussion protocol, a foot injury comes out with none of his friends to protect him. And against the, again, the meanest front in the league and finds a way to just sprinkle the Mahomes magic on the pile of crap. that was the game last night, you know? Yeah, it's, It's a really tricky thing to talk about quarterback play because so many people, and we'll get into this later when we talk about what this game means for these two guys and how their legacies are going to be intertwined going forward, so many people equate quarterback play to wins. And 
for those people, I just point you to Deshaun Watson this year, and I'll let you figure that out yourself. Quarterback play does not equal quarterback wins. There's so many things that factor into it. Even good quarterback play doesn't always factor into good quarterback play. When you're sitting behind an offensive line and getting killed, you can have an ugly stat line, but still do things that make you incredible. Like what we saw Patrick Mahomes do last night, he did what Patrick Mahomes does every week. The only difference was he didn't have any time. So he had to buy the time himself, force throws. That's what how the, that's where the interceptions came from. A guy who never throws interceptions, throws three in a game. There's probably some kind of circumstances that are leading to that kind of uh, that play from him. But I want to highlight the four plays last night that really stuck out to me were all incompletions. It was the one in the first quarter that bounced off a Tyree Kill's face mask where Mahomes made a defender miss from his blind spot, blind side stepped up in the pocket, rolled to his left, and flicked the ball 35 yards downfield, hit Tyreek Hill in the face. The second one was on a third and eight. Mahomes is getting tackled, falling over to his right, delivers a strike to Travis Kelsey, hits him directly in the hands, drops it, Chiefs have to punt. Another one is Mahomes rolls out to his right in the red zone, throws the ball slightly high to Demarcus Robinson in the front right side of the end zone, just gets a hand on it, can't bring it down, and the other one is the Darrow Williams ball that hits him directly in the face mask. Those four plays, I think, perfectly encapsulate who Patrick Mahomes is as a quarterback and the conclusion that I came to that he was the best player on the field last night despite everything else that was going on. He made those four plays, and if those four plays hit, we could have an entirely different ballgame. Unfortunately, none of them did, but Patrick Mahomes was literally being Hercules last night. He was being the most talented quarterback we've ever seen last night. Everything else around him just fell apart, and I'm not one to make excuses for quarterbacks. You know, I'm a guy who will, I'll call a spade a spade. If a guy's playing poorly, he's playing poorly. But I'm also going to recognize if a guy's situation is completely letting him down, and I think that's just what the case was last night. Anyone who tries to put that game on Patrick Mahomes, you either need to reevaluate how you associate quarterback play or... You need to get your eyes checked because we're just not watching the same thing. I mean, he was he was unbelievable last night. I had so much fun watching him, and it was so so frustrating. Um, another thing that was really frustrating for me was at the end of the game when they said Tom Brady was going to be the Super Bowl Fifty Five MVP. And while I do think they should just rename the Super Bowl MVP award after Tom Brady, after all, he's got five of them now. He's got seven rings. Name the award after him. He didn't deserve to win last night. The guy had 201 yards. He threw three touchdowns. I mean, he had a good game, but there were more deserving guys. And there was someone you highlighted when we were talking about the show pregame that I'm going to let you go ahead and talk about now. Okay, so when <laughs> you, you said earlier that I you mentioned how I had said that Travis Kelsey was the X factor, and that was such a roll a red carpet out and strut your stuff to that answer because it was delivered on a silver platter Obviously, he's that dude. He's Pat's go-to guy. And even with his 133 receiving yards yesterday, he was totally managed. And Absolutely. that is by the hand of one Levante David. Um, I, I knew going into this game that obviously there was going to be a huge focus on the outside because of what Tyreek Hill did in week 12 in Tampa Bay. Um, and then just the way that my mind wandered off of that was if we're going to manage Tyreek Hill, we're probably also going to do our best 
to manage a Nicole Hardman on the far side of the field or a Sammy Watkins. And then if Travis Kelsey's going to beat us for six, seven, eight, 13 yards in the middle of the field, they can have that because we believe that our pass rush as the Buccaneers will still prevent the ball from matriculating down the field at a pace that we can't keep up with. And Levante David truly, again, Kelsey had 133 receiving yards. Levante David did a great job of locking him up. And it's, it's all, for me, it's, it's all compliments. Like, he does a pretty good job in the coverage, in the, in the zone on Kelsey, and that complements and allows a, a half a step, a half a second more of the, of the defensive line to get through and create that pressure and disrupt the play. Because we've seen it, I've seen it, you know, having watched all 19 games that the Chiefs played this year, I've seen so many times that everything, the, the game plan fails and we're improvising and Patrick Mahomes finds a football's width to hit Travis Kelsey. And the way that Vontae David covered him yesterday and how that allowed the pressure to get to Mahomes, I mean, that was, he, he only had, he didn't have the pick, Devin White had the pick, as a linebacking core, and I think he only had six solo tackles. It wasn't a monumentous game. You wouldn't, I don't think you would put the sticker on him for MVP because you can't even you can't look at the paper and justify it. And there is an element to the decision that that is like, well, what's the stat line look like? Um, but I, I I genuinely think that because of his play in coverage. That is how the Bucks were able to manage the Chiefs all night long. Yeah, and you mentioned he had 133 receiving yards. At the end of the third quarter, when they put the game out of the reach, he only had 72. Yeah. So half of those Trash yards points. came in garbage time when the Chiefs were just, or the excuse me, the Buccaneers were just sitting back playing soft zone and basically letting Patrick Mahomes march the ball down the field. And then once it came time to stop them from scoring, they kind of locked down. So obviously, a lot of those were actual garbage time yards. There's a couple of guys I would have given this award to over Tom Brady. First and foremost, if you could, I would have given it to Todd Bowles. The defensive game plan for this game, man, they did every single thing right. They were so prepared for everything that the Chiefs did. Carlton Davis is another guy who stepped up and played great. He gave up two catches on 14 yards to Tyreek Hill after giving up seven for 203 and two touchdowns in one quarter against him in Week 12. I mean, talk about an all-time reversal there. Um, Antoine Winfield really impressed me, maybe not MVP consideration, but he played well last night. Obviously the, the peace sign and Tyreek Hill's face probably wasn't your favorite thing, but I thought, I would thought it was the perfect level of pettiness. Um, but in terms of actual players that I think deserved the Super Bowl MVP last night, I got three defensive players for the Buccaneers and one offensive player that I think should have been given consideration before. Tom Brady, who, no disrespect, named the award after him, but last night wasn't even his best performance in a Super Bowl. Um, first off, I got Levante David. I mean, all the stuff you hit on about what he did to t Travis Kelsey, who I think is the best weapon in the entire NFL, maybe the second best non-quarterback football player in the entire league. He was a non-factor. If you can limit Travis Kelsey to seven catches for 72 yards or whatever it was through three quarters... That is an unmitigated win, especially for a guy like Levante David, who isn't the best cover linebacker in the league. He's certainly respectable, 
but he's not that guy. No one expected that. Every, we even talked about before the game how this was a perfect matchup for Kelsey to just go off, and David shut him down. Devin White's another guy who certainly deserved MVP consideration. He was incredible running up and down the field, and I think last night I finally realized how big Devin White was. That is a massive man. He looks like a he looks like a true throwback Mike linebacker from the 1980s. Looks like he belongs next to Dick but next to Dick Buttkiss on the Bears. Um, yeah, absolutely. Vita Vaya was all over Mahomes the entire night, just knocking everyone that stood in front of him down and just getting in Mahomes' face all night. And the best way to generate pressure on a quarterback, especially one like Mahomes who likes to move around, is to just get pressure right up the middle in the beginning of the play and give him nowhere to step up and deliver a strike downfield. That's the best way to mitigate a strong-arm mobile quarterback. And then, of course, man, Leonard Fournette balled out last night. Average 5.7 yards per carry, 89 rushing yards. He had over 50 receiving yards as well. And then he had the long 30-yard touchdown that uh, put the the Buccaneers up big. I mean, there were a lot of guys who played very, very well for the Buccaneers. They were coached well. They played well all around. I'm not mad that Brady won the award, but I would have liked to see it go to one of these guys who probably had a bigger impact on the final score of the game. Yeah, I, I think if... If I'm Tom Brady, um, and I, you know, you don't even have to frame it up like that. He knows. I mean, obviously, he's not going to turn away from his fifth Super Bowl MVP. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if the um, the 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 feeling that must come along with a Super Bowl MVP will be shared by Tom Brady. Like that, that trophy will be a proverbial like sisterhood of the traveling pants and bouncing around between Levante David, Devin White, the Dominican Sue, who was also up in mom's face all day. Shaq Barrett. They call him Sack Barrett. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a mean, mean performance. JPP just being present all day. I mean, some of the, some of the replays and then photos that you saw afterwards of, the multiple times that Mahomes got absolutely pancaked by two and a couple of times three different guys. And, I mean, it's Ndamukong's bicep that's twice the size of <laughs> Mahomes' helmet, you know, that's on top. And then Shaq Bears in on his hip and coming in from, from the back is is Vitavea. So, I mean, it's it was really just kind of terrifying. I mean, it was a, it was a brawl, but only on one side. And I, I, I think I, although all of all of those guys had the days they had, um, like you said, if we could give it to Todd Bowles, you would. Um, I think that I, I, I can't think of a time other than an obvious, like the Detroit Lions are down by two and a half scores with a minute and a half to go, and Matt Stafford's going to let it rip. That's the image I have in my head of teams in the NFL playing five high. And they did that for, I don't know what the percentages are, but when the when the camera panned across the field pre-snap and Tony Romo's breaking things down, calling the plays, uh, there was there had to be at least a dozen snaps that they just lined up five high. And that was that was a game plan that had never been pursued by anyone against this Chiefs offense, and not only that, but it's such a gutsy thing to stand behind for four quarters of football. 
just like we we you will not beat us here and i am not bending on that period you can beat me but you will not beat me like this you will not beat me like you did in week 12 and i mean it was i mean it was bossy dude it was incredible the way just the way that they lined up and were again unwavering to the fact that that was what they were going to do and there was nothing that could have been said or done to change it yeah, they, they certainly went in there with a, with a concerted effort to take away everything deep from this team. And then the Chiefs' offensive line certainly played into that strength as well. Then Mahomes didn't have time, even if someone was open, to find anyone downfield. He was too busy running for his life and just trying to find something underneath or throwing up prayers. Um, I want to move on to uh, another topic that you briefly touched on earlier and um, you mentioned that you're not worried long-term about what the Chiefs look like. You don't think that this is something that Chiefs fans or front office personnel should be concerned about going forward. This isn't the Chiefs getting figured out. This is simply just the Chiefs' offensive line is too banged up. Um, Mahomes just had no time. There was really nothing this offense could do. Uh, I think I'm in agreement with you on there. I, I think um, there's still no blueprint on how to beat a Chiefs team that's firing on all cylinders. I said at the end of last week's podcast, when this Chiefs team is playing at its best, they're unbeatable. If they had showed up last night healthy, I think that they beat the Buccaneers handily. Um, I I just don't see anyone that could compete with a Patrick Mahomes-led team with this kind of weapons, and I don't see that changing unless there's another kind of catastrophic group injury or injury to a group of players like there was to this Chiefs offensive line this week. For me, dude, and going back to you know when we were teammates playing baseball together, like I'm I'm a big time when it comes when it comes to sports in general, I'm a big fan of the intangibles. So when we talk about Tom Brady coming to the Bucks, yes, they have a loaded staff and a great coaching staff, but Tom Brady comes and that is the difference. That is the switch, like you said. The, that and that's intangible. Tom Brady just has he's got that thing, and that thing is winning Super Bowls. I mean, it just happens. And I'm not worried because of who Patrick Mahomes is. Going back to the 2018 AFC Championship again in in Kansas City against the Pats, that was Bill Belichick and Matt Patricia came out with the most aggressive man coverage that the Chiefs had seen in well, at that point Mahomes' short career. And it was aggressive up front and tight man coverage, which is a really aggressive call on when you've got, you know, Tyreek Hill and then Chris Conley, um, Travis Kelsey obviously still in the mix. And it was something that they hadn't seen. And then Patrick Mahomes and his ability to adapt to adversity that he's faced with is his his it thing, you know, that Tom Brady just shows up and, and we are a Super Bowl contender. Patrick Mahomes has a, a gear somewhere that just it, it, it just clicks when when I see this enough times, okay, this is this is how we're gonna do it. This is what I can do personally to give us a chance to overcome it. And this, again, the way that Todd Bowles drew this plane up, it was the first time that we'd seen it, not only against the Chiefs, but as far as I know, that's the first time I've ever seen that. 
I guarantee you the next time that Patrick Mahomes is faced with it, assuming he has a healthy offensive line and isn't going up against that Buccaneers front four, um, I have all the faith in the world that he will be able to handle that the next time he sees it. Yeah, and I, I don't want to. I want to make sure I'm not taking anything away from any Buccaneers player, from Tom Brady, from Todd Bowles, Bruce Arians. None of those guys. They coached their butts off. Everyone played great. I just think the difference in this game was the fact that Patrick Mahomes was running for his life. 497 yards behind the line of scrimmage. I know that's the third time that we've mentioned that in this episode, but I mean, think about that. He ran five football lengths or five, the the length of five football fields behind the line of scrimmage just evading pressure, not even counting if he scrambled for some extra yards. I mean, that's mind-boggling. What quarterback could possibly be expected to succeed in that situation? It's a miracle that he threw for 270 yards. What what other quarterback could manage that under those circumstances? And I think that's why, long-term, I'm not worried about this team because they still have that guy who was able to have this game with these circumstances. If you run this back next season with the same Buccaneers team and the same Chiefs team, but they're not playing with their second left tackle, their third left guard, their third right guard, and their third right tackle, who knows what this game looks like? You know, it's it's an, it's an entirely different ball game, and we're having an entirely different conversation today. You know, who knows if Tom Brady's a Super Bowl MVP and, and a seven-time Super Bowl champion? Maybe the entire conversation around these two guys is forever switched. And I think that's something that... um is a really interesting topic. And I think this game has is going to have some really interesting and probably unfair impacts on Mahomes' legacy and some really positive impacts on the legacy of Tom Brady. And you said it earlier, and I agree with you. I think this cements Brady's case as the greatest quarterback of all time. And I want to emphasize that word greatest, and I want to break this down a little bit because this is a conversation that I've had a lot of times with people And I want to make sure that I convey this the right way. Now, Brady is the GOAT, just like Michael Jordan in basketball is the GOAT. He's the greatest basketball player of all time. You can make an argument that LeBron is a better basketball player than him, but the word greatness intrinsically is talking about accomplishments, achievements. That's what that resume brings you with six championships and no losses versus LeBron's four now. If we go over to the NFL, Brady is completely unrivaled. He has more playoff wins after his 35th birthday than any other quarterback has in their entire career. He has, Joe Montana has 16 his entire career. Brady has now 18 after his 35th birthday. Just unbelievable what he's done. He probably has three separate Hall of Fame careers within his singular career. But he's not close to the most talented or quote-unquote, best quarterback that's ever lived. That's either Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes. You could probably bring in guys like John Elway and Dan Marino as well. And I think that last night cemented his case as the greatest quarterback of all time, and it's going to make it to where Mahomes or Rodgers can never catch him. I don't think it's going to be anywhere close to uh, manageable to win seven championships, no matter what. It's just not going to happen. There's not going to be another Patriots dynasty ever. There's not going to be a, a team that can keep enough talent around Mahomes long enough. It's just not realistic. No one's ever won that much for a reason. But I think a lot of people are going to take this opportunity. Instead of propping up Brady, they're going to use this as an opportunity to kind of tear down Mahomes and always say 
he can never be considered in the same breath as a guy like Tom Brady. Tom Brady beat him twice in the playoffs. Mahomes never beat him. And this goes back to what I said earlier about how quarterback wins are so closely associated with quarterback success. And whether a guy is a good quarterback or a great quarterback largely depends on, in a lot of people's eyes, how much they win. And I think it's going to be a, a really unfortunate narrative that is spun from a guy who did everything he could last night. He played well, regardless of the numbers. I don't care what they say. I watched the game. You watched the game. We came away seeing the same thing. I think if you watch that game and think Mahomes played well or didn't play well, I think you're insane. And I think that this is undoubtedly going to be something that we hear a lot of the hot take artists and sports media go on with. Yeah, I, I already today was hearing hearing people say, and, and, and in comparison to Tom Brady saying, when Tom Brady lost the Super Bowl, it was by one score. Tom Brady's never gotten whooped out of a Super Bowl. Tom, if you're the best, if you're going to be the best, you have to be able to consistently show up. and You cannot have this mistake. Seriously, if this game, to anybody in the Chiefs kingdom on the side of you know, people like me that are sitting in the seats when they get a chance, or people in that front office, or people in that locker room. If anybody has a thought of now's time to push a panic button, then go find the door and get out because that's not the direction that this is headed. Last night, again, with Patrick Mahomes being who he is against um, against broken plays and how he improvises, he did the absolute most with what he was dealt last night. And it was boiled down. It was incredible. It was gutsy. It was tough. It was gritty. And that's that's what you need to take away. Yes, the Chiefs got smacked in this football game. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. 22 points. Three plus, three plus scores. Ugly, ugly game. But if your knee-jerk reaction is to say that he can never catch up to Tom Brady or be mentioned in the same conversation because Tom Brady had his number, I think that's crazy. And like I said earlier, Pat Mahomes now spends the rest of his year career with the skeletons in his closet is Tom Brady. No matter who we see Patrick Mahomes playing against, in whether it's next year in the playoffs against Josh Allen, or if it's five years from now against the next best thing that we don't know is out of college yet, when he takes the field for those football games, he, for the rest of his career, is going to be playing against Tom Brady because that will that will forever be the narrative. The, you mentioned Jordan and LeBron. If, if Mahomes actually can do this thing for the next 12 years, then that will be the same conversation. Mahomes, Brady will be Jordan and LeBron James' conversation. And no matter whether it's for the better or for worse, his whole career he will be playing against Tom Brady because he's going to have to be proving and living up to some expectation that everybody in TV and radio decides to set 
Yeah, and the the Michael Jordan LeBron comparison I think is the best one for these guys. And I said in last week's episode at the end, we never got to watch LeBron and Michael Jordan play in the NBA Finals, and how special it was that we get to watch Brady and Mahomes, which are the equivalent of these guys, at least in our eyes at this moment. The fact that we got to watch them play against each other was so special. But I think the the implications of a matchup this large lead to narratives just as large afterwards as the hype building up to it. And that's going to be really what this game is remembered, was Brady saying, you know, not today, little brother, you're not going to take over uh, my spot, my legacy, you're not going to take that from me. And, you know, the old heads, one day we'll be the old heads and we'll be lecturing guys about how amazing Patrick Mahomes was. The generation before us and a lot of the people in our generation are going to say there's no conversation to ever be had the same way that a lot of people who grew up on Michael Jordan won't even have the conversation about LeBron James potentially being better than him. It's it's It becomes almost a nostalgic overload and people can't get past the emotional attachments to these guys and the emotional attachments to their accomplishments. Like seven Super Bowls on the surface is so incredible, but you take a look and you see that, you know, of his seven Super Bowl wins, he's thrown for less than 300 yards in three of them. He's thrown for three touchdowns in three Super Bowls. And he's actually played better in the games he's lost than the games he's won. So, yeah, he's been to 10 Super Bowls. He's won seven. But his best game was against the Philadelphia Eagles in Super Bowl 52. He threw for 500 yards, only quarterback to ever throw for 500 yards in a Super Bowl. And guess what? He lost to a backup quarterback. Because at the end of the day... Quarterbacks don't win games. Teams do. So Tom Brady's teams, yeah, they've always been the most successful, and he'll always be remembered as the guy at the at the helm of those teams. So he's going to get credit for them because that's just what we do. And I'm fine with that. I'm fine with calling Tom Brady the greatest quarterback of all time as long as we don't use that title to degrade and diminish the accomplishments of other quarterbacks who are great in different ways and maybe aren't in as desirable of situations as him. I think it's fair to say that if the roles were reversed and Aaron Rodgers had been playing in New England for the last 20 years and Brady had been in Green Bay playing under Mike McCarthy, their situations and their careers would look a lot different than they do. So as long as we're taking these things in in context, context, excuse me, and talk about Tom Brady being the greatest quarterback of all time while still being able to recognize the role that everything around him played in that, and how we can recognize other people's greatness in different ways, I'm okay with this being how this game shapes out with their legacy, but I will not stand for Mahomes' slander after last night's performance. Yeah, and, and, and that's, it's like, it seems silly to say, but what you just went on about, about being able to appreciate different types of greatness, that's unfortunately a mature take. Like, don't have to as a as a fan of Team X. You don't have to deny or or stand blindly by your champion. That nobody can ever accomplish what was done here because of how it was done here. Like there's there's fans of the game and there's fans of a team and there's fans of what sports are. Quarterback doesn't win a game. A team does. What's special about that? What makes a team able to win a championship? There's there's different levels to pe- of of people 
that are involved in these things and are involved in sports and sports discussion in different ways. And what you just said about being able to appreciate greatness is in no way a participation trophy. Like Matt Stafford in Detroit was still one of the best arm talents of the 2010s. And it got kind of wasted away because he was in Detroit. But we can still sit there and appreciate who Matt Stafford is as quite literally the toughest dude in the NFL. And now he gets to move on to the Rams and make a push to go dethrone Tom Brady next year. And that's really cool. And it's 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 just cool to talk about all of it and not one piece, you know, the, the, the greatness of the Patriots over a tw- 18 or 20 year stretch wasn't just Tom Brady. I know I said earlier, he has the it factor that makes it a championship team, but there were some pretty freaking good teams in new England when he was there. And I think like you were just saying, just, just agreeing with you in a long winded answer, you know, Greatness is greatness, and it's really cool that we got to see these two guys in a Super Bowl together. Man, Casey, it has been an absolute blast to have you on. Um, It's not very often that I get uh, a guest that I appreciate their insight with as much as I do yours. Um, I just want to thank you again for coming on. I had a ton of fun today. I'm looking forward to bringing you back on again in the future. Um, I wish the Chiefs a happy and healthy offseason and a better ending to the 2020 or 2021 NFL season than there was to the 2020 NFL season. Thanks a bunch, dude. Glad to be here, man.